we really want Ember to be great for everyone. There, We've had a reputation of having this steep learning curve that I don't think is deserved anymore. Certainly, there were some rough edges in the beginning. But one of our goals for 2015 is to make Ember as approachable to people as jQuery was. Episode 80, March 2015. In this episode, Tom Dale, Ember core member, talks about the Ember and JavaScript communities, about convention over configuration and hype fatigue. He explains why Rails developers like Ember, what needs improvement, and what the future holds for Ember and Rails. This episode is sponsored by the Draplin Design Company and Field Notes. What do you think differentiates Ember from other projects creating similar technologies? Is the community maybe a big differentiator in your opinion? I think the community is a big differentiator and specifically the community values. So uh, the JavaScript community is an interesting one because I would say that the dominant trend is towards small decoupled micro libraries where when you start a project, there's this expectation that you will figure out what you need to build. You'll go find, you know, 20 packages, small independent little packages, and you will create your own bespoke framework out of those that fit your particular needs. And for some people that certainly works, but I found personally that that approach just does not work well for me at all. When I'm excited about an idea, I don't want to spend two or three weeks figuring out what tools to use. I just want to take a single tool off the shelf and feel fairly certain that it's going to cover at least 80 or 90% of the things that I need to do to build a modern web application. So the Ember community, the thing that I really admire about it is that as a group, we've decided, hey, you know what? We're not special snowflakes. We, you know... When you're building a web application, everyone has so much shared <laughs> problems to solve. A lot of the stuff is so boilerplate, you know, getting models from the server, uh, keeping the, the HTML and the DOM up to date when those models change, persisting changes back, um, you know, dealing with routing, keeping the URL up to date. These aren't special unique tasks that only you have to solve. Everyone has to solve those. The other thing is that there are a lot of trivial decisions that you have to make as a developer. Like, what do we call this file? What's the naming convention here? Uh, how do we architect this? You know, what unit testing package do we use? And all of these things, as long as you pick a solution that is generally pretty good, they just don't matter, right? They just don't matter. But these are the kind of things that developers love to argue about. They love having meetings to decide what to name the file. It's like, this just doesn't matter. Uh, so just having those conventions and those and having a community that says, look, there's going to be a common set of problems. We're going to experiment in the add-on space to figure out what the best solution is. And once as a community, we've more or less decided this is a good way of solving this particular problem, that gets rolled back into core. So instead of you coming to Ember and saying, oh, you know, like, oh, let me pick a testing library and a CSS framework and a this and a that, we say, here is a modular set of tools that we as a community, will guarantee you work well together. And if you want to change any piece of that, you're welcome to change it. But you better have a darn good reason. Do you think that the JavaScript community is harder to convince about convention over configuration? Or are people coming around already? Uh, I would say that it's been a pretty tough slog to convince the JavaScript community. But you also have to remember that the JavaScript community is much, much, much larger than, than most other communities. On the server, people can self-segregate by language based on their opinions, right? I think 
uh, you know, anyone listening, if I say Java programmer, if I say Ruby programmer, if I say PHP programmer, certain stereotypes about what kind of person likes those languages may come to mind, right or wrong, right? But each of those languages has a certain community set of principles. But JavaScript is like the community pool that anyone can go down and get in. And because of that, you have all of these different sub-communities, but everyone thinks they're in the same community because they're all writing the same programming language. It seems a lot of Rails developers really like Ember these days. Oh, Rails developers love Ember. And, and there's a reason that Rails developers hated JavaScript for a very long time. Because all of the things that you like about Rails, the convention over configuration, having uh, you know, opinions about things, having good build tools, all of those things were missing for years. Coming from Rails, it immediately clicked for me when I looked into Ember. A lot of things that I liked from Rails are also found in Ember. But some people hate that, right? Like, I have come to terms with the fact that some people really love programming for programming's sake. And they enjoy building their own bespoke framework. Now, the trick is you got to be one of these people. You don't want to work on a project after one of these people has left because then you're really screwed. But there are people, you know, here's the bottom line. Backbone is like 900 lines of code. It's 900 lines of code. Anyone could write 900 lines of code in a weekend, right? Not to diminish the work that's gone into it. Certainly, there's a lot of work that's gone into it. But my point is that 900 lines of code is just not a lot of code. But people were treating it like a framework like Rails. And that's just bonkers. That's just totally bonkers, right? It's just not doing very much, which is great if you realize that that's what you're getting into. But it means that you're going to have to build a ton of infrastructure on top. And the problem is, you know, we do consulting. Um, a lot of these Backbone projects that we see, it's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what's going on here. Because even though you're using Backbone, you've had to write so much custom code on top. It's just it's this own custom beast. It's a, it's a an ad hoc framework that no one understands and isn't documented or tested. Okay, everybody, my name is Aaron James Draplin. Just got done telling you about my whole life. Uh, the good, the bad, the gross, the ugly, the weird, the sinister, the awesome. And now you need to go to draplin.com and buy some killer merch. Draplin.com backslash merch and things that you need, right? Okay, you need to go there and look at this stuff. And then when you're done with that, you need to go to fieldnotesbrand.com and get some memo books. We'll ship them anywhere. If you're listening to this in Vienna, Austria, or Vienna, Illinois, hell, wherever that is, we will we'll ship them there too, okay? Fieldnotesbrand.com. You need these things. $9.95 for a three-pack. Would you pay for coffee today, right? Right, right? You need this stuff. So draplin.com, fieldnotesbrand.com, and uh, yeah, those are, the, those are the only two links you need in your life. There you go. What are you guys doing to bring more people to adapt Ember for their projects? And how do you educate programming newbies about Ember? We have uh, you know, no marketing budget. It's just you know, me and Yehuda and the core team. We, we don't have you know, a big bankroll behind us. So we just rely on the community. You know, we do our best to put people in touch with one another. This is why I love events like EmberConf. Um, the vibe at EmberConf, the buzz was just so good. 
everyone was excited. Everyone was so passionate. And I was watching people make plans together. You know, let's write this blog post series. Let's build this example app. Let's update the documentation. Let's submit this pull request to GitHub to improve the framework. We thrive on the community. In terms of what we're going to do to make it more accessible and through adoption, I think the only thing that we can do is to lead by example. There's this notion in the JavaScript community that the web is changing so fast. Every few months, there's a new hot framework. And it's just like people are getting, they're getting uh, what we call hype fatigue. They're getting fatigue because it's like, God, every six months, I go and I look and people tell me, oh, you know, this is the hot new framework. So I go build my app in it. And then a year later, it's like, oh, you're still using that. That that framework's garbage. You should, here's the next hot new thing. And I think the key to adoption for us is that we take backwards compatibility very very seriously. So everyone on the core team builds apps and none of us can afford to just go in and rewrite our app. They're all very important to our businesses. And that keeps us honest. That means that we have to somehow bring the latest innovations like so Glimmer, Fastboot, all of these innovations we have to bring to the framework in a backwards compatible way. And that's very painful to do. As an implementer, as a maintainer, keeping this code base has been around for 2011, since 2011. So that's, you know, like four or five years. Keeping a code base that old up to date with the hottest new technology and techniques is very painful. And the only reason that we're willing to do it is because we all have skin in the game. We all have a vested interest in keeping it backwards compatible. And so so backwards compatibility, basically having the thing be run by the community, because it's run by the community, having to focus on backwards compatibility. And then three is just sanding down all the rough edges. So Ember 2.0 is just getting rid of a lot of concepts, conceptual baggage. You know, we realized, oh, you know, we have two concepts here, but you could solve the same problem using one concept instead. So let's do that. So refinement and simplification for people who are new to the framework, really getting that learning curve down. I think you might also, you should maybe also get rid of this myth that Ember has a steep learning curve. Yeah, I just don't think it's true anymore, to be honest. But it's fine, you know, like I've been doing this for a while now and you get a reputation for something, it takes a while to lose it. I I don't get upset anymore, you know. I used to get frustrated. I would be like, oh, people will say Ember is really hard, but now it's not hard anymore. Why, Why do people keep saying it? Be like, you know what, if I wait six months... If what I'm saying is true, if I wait six months, it's going to get out there and the, the reputation is going to change. So I've learned as I've gotten older to be a lot more patient. Yeah, it might shy like newbies away from learning it, I guess. Oh, no, I, I, I agree. I, we, It's very unfortunate. I, I know a lot of people I've, I've seen comments on the Internet saying, oh, I was going to learn Ember, but I heard it had a really steep learning curve. So I learned this other thing. And, and that's really unfortunate. I, we're also working to improve the documentation. I should say that. I found learning Backbone way more confusing. Uh, it depends on what you're you're doing, but, but I, I've heard a lot of people say that they liked learning Backbone because they could read over the source code in an afternoon. You know, again, it's 900 lines of code. It's very easy. You can read the entire source code. Reading the source code for Ember, the entire thing, that's going to be a project. Um, and so, you know, I've always thought and I've always said, if you don't understand the value that a framework is buying you, you probably shouldn't use it, Right. Like if you can look at Backbone, which is 900 lines of code and Ember, which is like 20 or 30,000 lines of code and be like, these are solving the same problem, then either one, we are horrible over engineers and we've done a very bad thing. Or maybe you're just not at the point in your career where you understand what problems that's solving. And that's totally fine, right? So go use Backbone, 
at the beginning, you're like, it's so simple. I can understand it. This is really great. But as you build a bigger app, you're going to have a very visceral sense of what the shortcomings are. But now, if you go look at Ember, you're going to be like, oh, it does this, this, and this. Oh, those are all things that I had to deal with myself, and now I don't have to deal with. So you're appreciating it. Versus if you just went straight to Ember, you'd be like, oh my God, this is so complex. This is so confusing. Why is it built like this? Looking at this from another perspective, what are you not happy with in the Ember world? What needs improvement? I mean, performance is the big one, which is why we're doing Glimmer. Ryan Florence gave his talk at ReactJSConf, and you know that was very embarrassing. He, he showed a use case that we have known for years was very slow in Ember. And, you know, most people get away with it. Most people don't have that exact situation that causes that performance problem. But it feels bad as a framework author to ever have someone say, I tried to use your tool and I couldn't use it because the performance was bad. It feels really, really awful. So this year, a big focus on on performance. And uh, to be honest with you, the documentation Ember as a framework has grown and evolved a lot over the last few years, and the documentation has not always kept up to date. We've actually started a documentation strike team, and we have, there's like, I don't know, you know how many people it is exactly. We have like five or 10 people who are working on a big new push to update the documentation. So uh, everything's going to be going through Ember CLI, which makes things a lot easier for new people. You have generators, you have blueprints. These all make it much easier to get started uh, and to kind of help keep you on the rails, pardon the pun. And in general, bring it up to date with the latest idioms. Where do you see rails in the future? Do you think Ember would maybe take its place for in the community for building ambitious web apps in the future? You know, I don't really see us ever fully replacing Rails. Uh, you know, we use Rails. We, we have an Ember app, and our Ember app talks to both uh, a Rails app for, like, user authentication and billing and stuff like that. You mean Skylight? Skylight, yeah. Sky, in Skylight, uh, the, the Ember app is completely autonomous. It's, you know, completely client-side, and it talks to the Rails app to get the user, like, authentication tokens, and then it switches over and it talks to our Java backend, and the Java backend is all the really, like, heavy processing. But I think Rails is still a really great way to build a server. You know, the, the point of Fastboot, Fastboot isn't an API server. You cannot build a complete web app using just Fastboot. You need to get that data from somewhere. Whether it's, like, a Rails app or Firebase or something is up to you. And I don't think we have any desire to build our own framework for APIs. You know, we've got our hands full enough with Ember. I I really love Rails. Um, there was a period of time where Rails decided that it wanted to reject JavaScript, and it just totally rejected client-side JavaScript altogether. And I thought that was a kind of unfortunate detour. But I've heard some exciting stuff about Rails 5. I'm really excited about RailsConf coming up in, in like a month or now. I think we're going to see some really cool stuff. And I think Rails is going to figure out where it fits in this new world where the UI is absolutely going to JavaScript. I don't think there's any question about that. I think in five years, if you write an app where Rails does the routing, it's going to feel old and busted. But Rails is an API server, especially if they start taking advantage of things like WebSockets, I think has a bright future ahead of it. Mm-hmm.